ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Thank you once again for joining us here on Best Seat in the House podcast. I'm your host, Rob Kramer, alongside, as always, Daniel Bobo Curlin. And, uh, Dan, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing fine. Right now, I'm, uh, about, I'm like, a, I'm a bit, I'm not, I'm, uh, I was helping out a friend with a job, so, so I'm just, I'm just at his place. I'm filming from his place since I'm, since I was, since I was here, and it would be, it would be a little bit quicker than with the take and waiting for the boss and filming the show a little later makes sense makes sense and so uh, am i to understand that you are in a uh, secret location this week basically yeah exactly all i'm gonna say it's a secret location in the city <laughs> there we go okay very mysterious this week i like it i like it a lot and uh, you know we're, we're kicking off this show in uh mysterious fashion and uh the only thing that was more mysterious was the uh, Mets' ability to not get a hit in the clutch yesterday against the Yankees. As uh, we're filming this today on uh, Wednesday, the uh, Mets' first off day, just about two weeks, we unfortunately yeah. watched them get swept by the Yankees. And uh, Dan, how you feeling about that right off the bat? I gotta say, Game One, I was like, I, I was like on my way home from a doctor's appointment that I was set to arrive home at 5.30. I saw an alert on game time, tickets 35 bucks. I could not pass up on that. 30, <laughs> get it? I might, the game might be, had just started by the time I get, the, get to the Bronx, but I figured why not? So I booked, so I bought the ticket, got, went to the bath. As soon as I, I got out of the car, cause I was, cause of a, fr- a friend of my mom, mom's was a, Kind enough to drive me to that appointment. Got out, went to the bathroom, went to the bathroom. Then I pa- I packed because I can't bring my backpack into the stadium. I took the things out of my backpack that I usually take when I'm going out. My umbrella, my you know, my wallet, my keys, my phone charger, my power bank. Put that put that in put that in the drawstring bag because that's the only kind of backpacks they allow in most NFL stadiums. And I went to the hopped on a train and I got got there and I can tell you a couple of things I've noticed about the difference about Yankee Stadium and City Field and I'm, I'm comparing this on days that are packed if you take if you're comparing a packed City Field near or at full capacity crowd and uh, at near or full capacity uh, occupancy I would say that the entrance is a little bit quicker at City Field entering the ballpark. Also, I'd say that then 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 Yankee Stadium. Also, exiting the stadium at City Field after a game is quicker than exiting a uh, Yankee Stadium. The other deal, I think, and I've heard some Yankee fans say this too. Also, even entering the train station, I feel is uh, I have to say it is a lot quicker at the city the city field station. You've seen the entrance specifically if you go, if you have to go up the, you know, when you go up the, st- if you've been to Yankee Stadium before, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know how, like, walking up the steps, how narrow the, the entryway is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I purposely have a little hack for that, though, that I figured, that I figured after the first time, after, after, when I noticed it, that my mom had taught me a little hack from that entryway. Oh. Sometimes like, I forget the hack, but year, years ago, my mom taught me this out because she had been to Yankee Stadium, I guess, for four years at, on, at times, sometimes with her family, whatever. But I've, what happened was the, after the first Subway Series game, she taught me the trick is, you know how you get the, ent- the entrance to the, to like the B, the B, the B and the D trains? Yes. You enter that underground entrance, and there's a and there's a little pathway that leads to the the upstairs level of the station where you get the four train. Mm-hmm. That, go up that way to get to the four train, and it's less packed. 
Oh, okay, okay. And you've got into the platform. Also, I have to say the four train runs at the pace of a snail on the return trip to Grand Central. <laughs> yeah. Runs at a pace of a snail. And it was a local. Like, sheesh. At least, at least, at least City Field has the Super Express. <laughs> well, that's true, too. If, you know, if you catch that, that train at the right time, you know, you, you, you can get to City Field real quick. Yeah, exactly. Well, but also maybe it's also in the context of where I live, because True, true. Field officially, according to the ballpark app, MLB ballpark app. Yeah, <laughs> so, I'm like quick. So, so, so it's like quick, but yeah. But the one thing I gotta give the the setup at Yankee Stadium, the train the train station has a wheelchair accessibility. Something that uh, I have heard. I think needs to be addressed at Willis Point Met Station, wheelchair accessibility at that subway station. It is the only sports venue in the city of New York. And I'm even counting the Meadowlands because the two football teams are New York. And just for the heck of it, I'll count the UBS Arena, even though it's in Long Island. And I'll count the Prudential Center, even though it's in New Jersey. And there are two separate agencies. Uh, the, the UBS Arena is LAWR, and of course, of course, uh, the Prudential Center and New Jersey Transit are uh, are the New, are New Jersey. But they're all wheelchairs. They have wheelchair accessibility entrances at the stations, uh -huh. and all the arenas in the city, like Mass Square Garden, Barclay Center, they have wheelchair accessible entrances at their station. But for some reason. This one station has never doesn't is not wheelchair accessibility, and I've known I know some uh, Met fans that have that it bothers them about that. All right, I I even ha once toyed with India. I don't know if it if I don't know what my response to it me doing this, but I was thinking of going to a game. Doing saying what I would call a wheelchair challenge to try to prove a point how difficult this is on a type on a wheelchair and even going to a Met game to show how annoying it, it, it is for people on a wheelchair to have to deal with this. Yeah, that's true, man. That's definitely uh, something that a lot of people don't talk about, too. You're right. <laughs> I even once got, I was once somewhere that. I got to once more that I got to meet Steve Cohen. And when I talked to Steve Cohen, I asked him about that. And he told me that he wishes he could spend his own money to fix that problem with the subway entrance. But he said, he told me, unfortunately, and before the certain person I know for the FDA complains about it, I'm not complaining about the FDA. I just complained about this one station, the wheelchair accessibility. Mm hmm. I he said he wishes he could do something about it, but unfortunately, he said it's under the MTA's jurisdiction. He said that the he can't do anything about it. They says they're likely not to let him spend his own money and construction crew building this. The MTA has the final say on that, and they're the only ones that could really do anything about that. He said because it's MTA property. He said that station um, and. That's ridiculous. Also, a little bit, he says sometimes it's a lot of things he has because because also City Field is built on city property. He owned the property. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, so, well, you know, St Steve Cohen is a great owner, and you know, it's it's a shame that they won't let him even spend his own money to do that. You know, but um, you know, let's uh let's get back to the uh, games now, as uh you know the. Mets and the Yankees obviously played the last two days, uh, losing Monday, losing, uh, you know, at the game you were at on Monday. They ended up losing uh, on uh, Tuesday as well. Um, you know, what do you think coming out of here, Dan? I see a lot of Mets fans hitting the panic button right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting nervous about this. I'm, I have a feeling this team might be a little different because I thought last year, had DeGrom not been injured, we might have not, even if we had lost first place, we might have gained first place back. Because I feel that Grom was like 
he was like the X factor the first half of the season. Yeah. And I feel this season is there's some pitching that's going to be the X factor of this. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to make the, the complete difference, right? Got to win every series. That's the only way it's going to go. It's going to go well. Yeah. And, and we, you know what, though, too? Come in. You have to win tomorrow's game. Well, Without, and, and not only that, coming off this sweep, and if you add that, you know, obviously the Mets uh, straightened themselves out a little bit last weekend by taking three out of four from the Phillies, but they also lost three out of four to the Braves before that. And if you if you if you look at their last ten games, they've lost six of their last ten games. If if you ask me, and and I'm not, I'm not hitting the panic button yet. I still have confidence in this team, and I think you're right that the pitching is going to be the big deal. But um, you know what I really think they have to do to make a statement now, just like we just saw, you know, the Atlanta Braves crush a terrible Pittsburgh Pirates team. They swept them three straight, including today, the day we're recording this Wednesday, smashing them 14 to two. The Mets have to do the same thing to the, the Colorado Rockies, who've been one of the worst road teams in baseball. The, the, the Rockies are 35 and 30 at home. They're 19 and 40 on the road. The, the Mets have to take advantage of that, and they absolutely have to sweep the Rockies. And I'm realistically going to say, okay, maybe they, they're, they're going to take three out of four, and I'll still be happy with it. But, look, if the Mets want to win this thing because the Braves are now only a game and a half back, two games in the loss column, luckily, but only a game and a half back in the standings, the Braves are coming. And I know the Mets' schedule gets lighter from here on out, but don't forget they play the Dodgers next week too. And they have three more against the Braves at the end of the year. So, the, you know, I don't know, Dan, what are you feeling right now about that statement that the Mets have to sweep the Rockies this weekend? I feel that's an accurate point. I'm feeling nervous about this, hoping we get, get the job done. Also, I, I have to say uh, about, one, about one more thing about the Subway Series, on Monday's game – Talk about bandwagon Yankee fans. <laughs> I I section stuck with these near these TikTok girls, what they amounted to. They were just bandwagon Yankee fans, all right? Yeah. And, and that's all I felt like it when I was sitting next to was a TikTok crowd at that game. Of course. Uh, and, and with today, it doesn't surprise me. Everybody's on freaking TikTok. Yeah, um, yeah. At least that I, I always tell people, outsiders, yeah, you know the difference between uh, a tourist and a local. The the is the locals will probably wear Mets caps because fans. It's a team for diehards, all right. That's true. That's true. You're not going to just have somebody, you know, show up in in New York and decide to put a Mets cap on. They're going to put, you know, that that's going to be the real diehard that has that Mets cap on. Yeah, yep, exactly. I tell, I told that to people. I told, I told, I told a little little friend of mine from from Bam. I told her, yeah, they should. I could become a Met fan. And I told her, I said, yeah, the your the locals, the, <laughs> they'll look at you like a local if you wear a Mets cap. <laughs> You'll blend in more. Yeah, I gave her a Mets cap. Yeah. It reminds me of from The Simpsons when Apu had the Met hat on, and he says that the Nine Mets are his favorite squadron. <laughs> you don't, you don't remember that. A little fact about that: the guy who did the voice does the voice of Apu, Hank Azaria. He's a diehard Met fan. Yes, hard Met fan from Queens. Yeah, very true. Watch Brockmire, but that was such a well done show. Yeah, yeah, that was a good show, no doubt about and, it. So, sorry, did you see that video on YouTube? It was a tie-in to the to the show that he did a little thing with Jacob Degrom as Brock Meyer. Oh yeah, 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 I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, that, that one just made me laugh. That was like, eh, man, I I remember seeing in 2017 when the whole pitching staff was injured. And pretty much knocked us out of contention when that happened. I said, you know what? Maybe the last week of the season, I said, why should maybe gain a couple of viewers? 
have a uh, have Jim Brock have Hank Azaria do the middle innings as Jim Brock fire. <laughs> that would be awesome, and that would definitely get people to watch it. No doubt about it. Like, I, yeah, just period. I would love to see that for one game. Hank Azaria do the entire game as Jim Brockmeyer. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> but but you know what, though? The, the Mets aren't really having trouble getting ratings right now. Did you hear that uh, last night, actually, the game on SNY was the highest-rated SNY game of all time? It actually uh -huh. broke the uh, previous record, which was the final game at Shea in 2008. Um, yeah. I have to say that I think one of the things that played a factor in that is because some Yankee fans that, that have cable but don't have an Amazon Prime subscription, they don't want to pay for Amazon, but and they realized they were able to get the game without having to pay for Amazon by just settling for watching the Mets feed is what happened. Oh, no doubt about it. I totally agree. So I'm sure, believe me, even I think even my uh, – even a relative of mine who's a Yankees fan did that because he didn't want to pay for Amazon. So he, uh, he just settled for watching the, he just settled for watching the SNY feed, I heard. Yeah, my uh, brother-in-law is a big Yankee fan, and he did the same thing, actually. So, uh, you know, he, he just watched the SNY feed. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's true. It was, uh, it was weird, actually, too, because the, the game was also on TBS, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the the way they did the Subway Series uh, this year is uh, very strange. During the week, and then, you know, the, the first game, ESPN had exclusive rights, and it wasn't even on Sunday night. Just a very strange w way they broadcasted it. Yeah, that's true. Right? I, I don't know. I guess, they, I guess ESPN badly wanted to broadcast a matchup between the Mets and the Yankees is what happened. Yeah, and especially the fact that both teams are in first place, and it's it's a big market game now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, like, let's face let's face it. I know, I know, some college football fans are gonna fight me on this, but I'm really from New York, and we don't really college football thing in New York, all right? This is like this is the biggest regional rivalry, if you ask me. This is the big regional rivalry in sports, right here, all right. This yeah, is like the, the biggest right. town, like, because if, if you really look at the other, you know, series, you know, the series with the White Sox and uh, the Cubs in Chicago, that that series has a little bit of juice to it, but not as much as Mets Yankees. And let's not even bring up Dodgers Angels, because that's not even in the same league as either of the two I just mentioned. Now, plus that Anaheim is quite a distance from Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, it is. People don't realize that. It's at least, I mean, from where I, I remember, it at least was at least a twenty-minute drive, and uh, it's definitely, <laughs> you know, not um, uh, that close to Los Angeles that you could call yourselves the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I always found that funny too. But um, yeah, yep, exactly. And uh, my that same friend from from Alabama that I convinced to become a Met fan, she said. That that watching game, she said, she described the Mets and the Yankees rivalry as Alabama versus Auburn on steroids. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. And, and I mean, yeah, you are right. Where it definitely has those interstate rivalries in college football as well, too, and Texas and Texas A and M, and USC and UCLA, you know, and Miami and Florida. So there are a lot of heated ones, but I mean, I agree. And you know what, too? It's also like apples and oranges because comparing football and baseball is, uh, you know, very difficult. F football is such a weird guttural sport, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. But, oh, oh, but yeah, the tomorrow, tomorrow's game, I feel, is a must win tomorrow. And I'm just going to be on edge until that game is over. Even, I meant to trust. Trust me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Until that game's over, I'm gonna be on edge. And I told my mom, "You know the drill, all right? This stretch run is gonna take, gonna take a lot out of me from here to September to the end of September. Might even into October." I said, "It's gonna be crazy. I mean, 
I noticed that that concert I'm going to, that I'm going to see Band Me Live, mm-hmm. it's game one of the World Series to the point that if I get a ticket opportunity to purchase in the box office for World Series tickets, I'm going to have to opt for, if assuming like Mets have games one and two at home, I'm going to opt for game, uh, game two because of that, because I'm going to be at the concert. Yeah. Also, and the Mets actually have a chance of getting that home field too if they if they have the if they beat the Dodgers and still have the be- the best record. Actually, I'm going to be DVRing Game One, but also since the Game One might might be still on by the time that concert ends, because I know World Series starts like eight. Sometimes the way these games start, playoff games start. As soon as the concert ends, I'll be going into a bar to watch the game, and if there's and if Really, it's hard to find a TV tuned to the game, which that shouldn't be a problem. Finding a TV tuned to the World Series at the Mets or the World Series. I do got the Fox Sports app. You know what that's so true. So uh, I'll, I'll be I'll be be dragging the game. I'll be I'll be at that concert. Which, by the way, if, if you, I don't know if you remember when I mentioned Bandmate. If you ever looked at one of their videos, they're amazing. They're they're very talented. Oh, you saw one of their videos. Uh, no, I didn't, but I, but I remember you bringing it up, though. I still haven't seen one of their videos, though. Trust me, they're amazing. And definitely also watch some of their live clips that they posted on their YouTube. <laughs> okay. That, that's where you really know how good they are when you see, when you see live footage. <laughs> I'll be going there wearing a, wearing a, probably wearing my Mets cap and wearing a, wearing a <laughs> concert that, in the venue that's standing room only, I don't know if you've heard of this venue, Irving Plaza. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's a standing room only venue, so I'm going to really need to stock up on some Dr. Schultz for that. I don't normally do concerts in venues that are standing room only, uh-huh. but this overseas that I don't get that many chances to see them form in New York. And I'm going to I'm gonna be there in the audience and even... And as I said, even though they might not understand the language they're speaking, they're singing in, but damn it, they speak the universal language of rock and roll. <laughs> I love it, man. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so just like we were uh, talking about, we'll be uh, wrapping up a little bit on the uh, Mets and the Yankees now. I mean, uh, you know, a couple of, things that I, I did take out of this series, though, is uh, Daniel Vogelback looks like he's battling some kind of injury. What what do you think about that? He, he hit that two-run home run the other day, and, uh, I mean, he just doesn't look right. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look right, all right? I mean, I mean, I, for one thing, I just, I thought it was funny that he hit a home run as I'm eating ice cream, which, by the way, Yankee Stadium they do all the, the ice cream in a, in a helmet is not, is not done by scoops, ice cream in a, in a bowl that looks like a ball cap. It's done soft serve style. Okay. That's how you do ice cream in a ball cap. All right. Take take notes, Mr. Steinbrenner. (laughs) That the Hal, I don't know which Steinbrenner owns the team now, but. They, 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 the ice cream, it's, it was in like a scoop. It was scoops of ice cream in uh, a, in a, in a, in, in a, the batting helmet bowl. Oh, uh, that's Bush League. Because, uh, I mean, because I, I just, because I, whatever T logo it is, just ice cream in a batting helmet bowl just hits different. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> and don't do it. You don't do it scoops if you're in a, unless you're at home and you're doing that with related I'll, I'll do that at home, but when I'm at the ballpark, if you do that, it's done soft serve like they do it, like most other ballparks will do ice cream that way in mm-hmm. a batting. But it's done soft serve style. It, it agreed. It has to be soft serve, and uh, you know. So when we look at that uh, at, at that series too, where it's like, um, you know the. The first game, it felt like the Mets were in it the whole game. You know, even though they were down three nothing, it always felt like I always thought they could come back at some point, get to the bullpen, even though they never did. You know, uh, uh, Mar- what's his name, Marinaccio? 
and also Loizaga, uh shut the Mets down. And there's nothing they could do about that. But in game two, there were so many missed chances. The Mets were two for 13 with runners in scoring position. Uh, it, it was just it just felt like they just let that one slip through their fingers. Yeah, that that whole game. Whenever I get up, whenever Mets do commit an, a costly error or uh, the strand runners on base like that in a big spot, I'll yell. Really. Also, game one, game you you hit it right on the note about game one. Like it felt like the Mets were going to win that. I kept. There was some, there was some Met fans sitting by me that I was saying, "Yeah, don't worry, we got this." And I have to admit, I if if it would have gotten if the Mets would have had a lead going into the ninth, I might have jokingly pulled out my phone and cranked out Edwin Diaz's walk up song up on my phone. <laughs> that would have been awesome. I accidentally put my Bluetooth speaker in my uh, drawstring bag. So I, I, I realized it was there. I said, oh, shit, not only could I do that, I could pull up to speaker and maybe make it even louder. <laughs> even though I'm sitting on a, even though I'm sitting like a deck right somewhere near where the, where the, the left, the, the left field bell pole, which by the way, the left field bell pole Another thing I have to say about Yankee Stadium, seats by the left field bell pole. Remember Barclays Center when they used to, I don't know if you ever went when they used to, when hockey used to happen at Barclays Center. Remember those seats out, you couldn't see one end of the ice? Yes, the obstructed view seats. I remember that. First time I saw the Rangers on the road in the Barclays Center, the only time I ever did, I would, uh, somehow my sister forgot about that because she had bought the ticket for Christmas for me. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting in one of those obstructed seats where I had to look like every time anything was happening in that end of the ice, I had to stick my head up and look at the jumbotron. Oh, oh that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, when they built the Barclays Center, they didn't think they didn't take seriously the rumors that the Islanders were going to move there when they were building it. Because if you remember during the construction, I don't know if you remember hearing this. There was rumors that the Islanders were going to move there, but I guess they weren't strong enough rumors that when they designed the Barclays Center that they were expecting it. Yeah, you're right. And in fact, I think they made it in a way intentionally almost that they didn't want to have hockey there and still ended up having it anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I heard players even on, on not only visiting players, but I even heard players in the Islanders complained about the ice. Yeah, the ice was terrible there. Yeah, you always heard players complain about the ice. You're right about that. Yeah, but thank God they corrected that. I, I have friends that are Islander fans, even though as much as they don't like the Islanders, I have to respect they finally got it right and built that arena. They found a place in Long Island that would be okay with that arena. And I kind of think it's kind I know maybe sometimes the traffic I hear is a bitch there, but it does have Long Island Railroad access, so I have to give it props on that. I've never been, I haven't been to that arena yet, but I've seen that there has Long Island Railroad access. Yeah, Some, you know, it's a, actually, it's a really nice arena. Um, I, I went there last year, me and my girlfriend, who's a big Islanders fan, uh, went to the arena and um, we had a, a great time. It was really, a, you know, a, a modern uh good-looking, clean arena and uh, really had great food, too. We had seats with the food, and <laughs> we, you know, let's just say we uh, ate our fair share. Well, at least I did. <laughs> I kind of I feel that same way when I get those seats that you can always beat. I, I love those Clover Club seats at City Field. <laughs> at them where, the, where you can go to any concession stand and scan a ticket. And the food's free. The only thing you're paying for is the booze. Like, I could go to any concession. I felt like that day, like, maybe especially before the game, maybe once or twice during the game, that I did a concession stand sampler. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah, that's what I felt like. I That's what I felt like that ticket was. Like, <laughs> I, I call those concession stand sampler tickets because I ate quite a bit of it and – 
drives up good stuff. By the way, one of my favorite desserts at City Field, if you haven't tried it yet, this ice cream that's in a cone that's it's a waffle. Oh, okay. It's the shape of a cone, but it's a waffle. It has the thickness of a waffle. It's soft like a waffle. Yeah. And it's it, it is one of my favorite desserts at City Field. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, you know, I, City Field has some good food there now, man. Yeah, another dessert that I thought was good, but I don't see them anymore. They used to have these fried Ore- Oreos there. Though, though, that was a pretty good dessert at City Field. Also. Oh, yeah, fried Oreos, man. Those are on point. <laughs> now, it is old-timers day this Saturday. And one of the greatest things that Steve Cohen has done since he's become owner of the Mets has been bringing back Old Timers Day finally. I am just looking forward to seeing all these greats back, back on this field. It's, it's weird to see that some of these players that have played on this very diamond are considered old timers. Because <laughs> my, my image of the old timers that play for the Mets are everyone that played in the Shea Stadium years. And we're going to see some guys that have played at City Field. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, uh, yeah, like like Daniel Murphy, like, like, like you wouldn't think of Daniel Murphy as an old-timer. I mean, that's why David Wright said that he wasn't going to play because he didn't feel like an old-timer. But, yeah, we're going to have some real recents, including Jose Reyes. Did, did, did you see the teams yet? Because they already drafted them, and they yeah. broke them up into two teams, Team Willie and Team Terry. I, I, didn't, I didn't see yet, but. Um, it's weird, weird seeing guys that have actually played at City Field are going to be taking part in this old timers day. Like I'm seeing, uh, I'm going to say the City Field era, rep- the players that I feel representing the City Field years. Well, some of them played at Shea also, but we're seeing mm-hmm. is Daniel Murphy and Bartolo Colon, who were played for the Mets during the City Field years at during their career. Yeah, and we're on that World Series team, which yeah. is funny that guys I, on that team were on an, an old timers day list. That was only seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, that that was that's gonna be it's gonna be weird, but I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing all these guys on the on the feet on a field again. Also, kind of makes me sad that that unfortunately the the great Kerry Carter is no longer with us. Just a good good family friend of. Friend that I've gotten, I've gotten to know over years. He was a good friend of the family when he was alive. I know he would have been, he would have been part of this old timers day also. Oh, he, he would have loved it, no doubt about it, man. And yeah. he, uh, the, the the shame is, you know, now he's been gone for ten years. You know, you just wish what this uh, Mets thing could have looked like for for old timers day had they decided to do it like fifteen years ago. You know, and and you know maybe it would have been nice if he uh, could have uh, participated in it. You know would have liked to have seen that and i just have a hunch that the mets are going to retire his number i know his number they should he's a hall of famer yeah 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 i know his number was retired in in montreal but unfortunately the expos don't quite exist as the montreal expos anymore so yeah they feel that the only other team i could think of that he played for for any extended period of time was the mets and he had played for, for an, an extended and plus one of the championship with the Mets. So I yeah. feel I feel the teams that he played for that's teammate player that still exists that he also had an impact on should have his his number retired. No doubt about it. I totally agree. It does happen. It's almost possible that you might see me a little bit crying. Just like that day at a when I found out he passed away the next day. I went to City Field, and I was wearing a Gary Carter shirt, or I guess like a jersey. I guess it was like a T-shirt, but the design looked well. Then it wasn't a button-down; it was a throwover shirt, but it had the design of a, of a jersey, right? And it was a blue one, right? And I was wearing this, and I had to see, like, I, I took a look at the, I took a picture of the, the flag. The City Field was half half mass. And I left flowers by the home run apple. I know some fans left stuff by by where home plate at Shea was, but I felt the home run apple may have been 
may have been a good spot to leave his flowers because that was a piece of Shea Stadium where he played. Yeah, no, that's definitely a, uh, you know, yeah. really great tribute for a really great man. Yeah, and that, that photo, I emailed it to the Daily News because I'm, I'm, I was shocked that there was no media coverage of any fans showing up paying their respects. It showed up on her Twitter account. Wow. And picture, I think, think I took a picture. It's just the back. And um, in front of the Horn Apple, I'm just looking. I'm just pay, paying my respects to Gary. Yeah. He's a definitely great man, the kid. No doubt yep. about it, man. I have to give credit to the city of New York, what they did when he passed. That night, they lit up the Empire State Building with their orange and blue lights. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Very cool, man. Well, you know, it's unfortunate that he's not going to be on the roster. But if you want, I'll I'll give you the uh, two rosters right now. I have them up. Uh, and let me just uh, know what you think. I know, uh, so Team Terry, they got Bartolo Colon, Al Leiter, Jesse Orozco, Bobby Ojeda, Turk Wendell, Dennis Cook, Steve Traxel, Doug Sisk, and Terry Leach. So let's I'll give you those pitchers right right off the bat. What do you think of Terry Collins' pitching staff? Uh, I think that's an interesting pitching staff. I feel it's like a lot of the two, the 2000 team, I feel like. Also, uh, Steve Traxel might be uh, – I know the game is going to be two innings, but I'm, well, remember the old joke with Steve Traxel with, with the Mets. Sometimes I knew, like I said, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what time I'm going to get home. Steve Traxel pitching today. <laughs> oh my God. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Traxel that, you know, that, that's why they used to call him the human rain delay. <laughs> so I have met Steve Traxel. He, he, yeah, he is. He, he was a good guy when I met him. He was one of the nicest players I met. But I had to admit, it, when he was pitching, you kind of needed to kind of feel and probably beat it for a while. Unless maybe there wasn't a lot of runners on base. If, for those who don't remember, Steve Traxel seemed to be a lot quicker when there wasn't runners on base. Oh, yeah. No, you're right about that. When, but as soon as a runner got on, he slowed it down. <laughs> You also got to remember, in 2006, Steve Traxel was the winning pitcher the game we clinched the NL East. I was there. The Marlins, you're right. Yeah, he was the winning pitcher. He pitched a gem during that game. Yeah, he did. And Steve Traxel had some big moments with the Mets, you know, and and, and big years. He won 15-plus games a couple of times. And just like you said, he pitched the clincher in, uh, uh, in 2006, which will be forever shown on uh, on SNY, so Steve Traxel will always have a place on there. By the way, a little fact of that clincher, I didn't notice until I rewatched the game when I recorded it on my on my DVR. Uh, after when I rewatched it, I wanted to watch all the post-game coverage and everything. I noticed that there was a fan holding a sign that had wow stickers on it. Was there really? Yeah, it, 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 right when the lap before the last out is about to happen, they show fans reacting as the last out's about to happen, and you see a fan holding a, a, a wow sign. <laughs> very cool, very cool. A couple of ONA fans showing their pride there as as, as the Mets clinched uh, the NL East back then. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah, I I know I noticed it, and I might I might have to tweet a screen cap of it because I know they got the footage of the last out on the. That DVD that commemorated the history of the Shea Stadium years. Yes, yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to tweet tweet a screen cap of it late later on. Definitely. But, but yeah, that game I remember that game and that that game Steve Traxel pitched the one for the up. I even got a hold of a Steve Traxel bobblehead in my collection that was I found out was an exclusive to City Field holders. I meant to I meant to season ticket holders. When Al Leiter had suggested the Mets make a Steve Traxel bobblehead. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Schedule, they, they somehow didn't schedule it as a giveaway, but 
it was mailed to season ticket holders, they found out. Another, another wonderful season ticket holder exclusive item I got a hold of that was really cool is my home run Apple uh, clock. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the, yeah the, that is an awesome clock, too, by the way. Oh, you have one, too? No, 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 but you showed me yours. Oh, oh no, I, sh- I didn't show you the home run Apple clock. I showed you the Keith Hernandez clock from the, from the Brooklyn Cyclones. Oh, yeah, actually, you're right. You're 100% right about that. <laughs> I, I, I love having that as my alarm. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> so weird when he realized he was a part of that, but I think it's a, it's a great alarm. I mean, I, I even made sure that something, something considered this, but I forget to set the alarm mm-hmm. to t- because I also set my phone alarm also as a backup alarm, but I had to make sure to use that alarm on the day his number was being retired. Yeah. Yes. I that's alarm on the anniversary of uh, the premiere of Seinfeld. Yeah. Very cool. And I remember that. Speaking of Keith Hernandez cameos and TV shows, a lot of people, when they talk, they all talk about the Seinfeld episode. People, I, when my mom loves Law and Order, she was watching. Keith Hernandez made a Law and Order cameo, also. Did he really? Yeah, he did. He uh, and one time I was somewhere that I uh, that I that I that I met him. I one of one of the one of the many times I've gone that I've been lucky enough to get to meet Keith. I and I told him I says, I know a lot of people tell you about the Seinfeld episode, but. I'm one of the few people that also not only acknowledges that episode, but I feel they need to, I, I feel your law and order appearance needs to get some love also. What, what did he say? He appreciated. He said, I may have been one of the very rare people that has brought up his appearance on law and order. <laughs> very cool, man. <laughs> well, uh, you know, when, when you, you know, I'll give you the position players now for Team Terry. Uh, it's a pretty cool mix of players right here where, uh, of course, Terry picked his catcher as Josh Tolley, which makes total sense. Um, but his outfield has a couple of 80s Mets sprinkled in with Steve Henderson and Mookie Wilson, along with Andy Chavez. Uh, and then his infield is Daniel Murphy, Jose Reyes, Todd Zeal, Howard Johnson and Robin Ventura. Uh, that's a stacked infield. <laughs> it is right. So the end. Does he have? Does he got Piazza at DH? Well, no, no. Piazza is on the other team on Team Willie. Oh, Piazza, Piazza DHing. I hope. Yeah, and I and and, and I yeah, I think you're right. Piazza is going to DH, and I think Todd Pratt. Is uh well actually I'll I'll tell you right now Todd Pratt is the catcher for Team Willie along with the rest of the team Mike Piazza is listed as a catcher but like you said he's probably going to DH Lee Mazzilli, Cliff Floyd and Benny Agbayani and then the infield it's a very very interesting infield of Rico Bronia, Tim Tuffle, Kevin Elster, Rafael Santana and Edgardo Alfonso. I ca- I cannot I cannot wait to see how this game uh, how the, how this turns out and hopefully hopefully every everybody goes that uh gets through this game on hurt because I know some of these guys have not not played in a few years and I also got to have to give my hats off to the people who made the trip that that even the ones that aren't taking part in the game but are going to be there for the ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Glad to see that they got that they all these that all these people were able to make the trip, and thanks Steve Code for being able to make it possible for all these people, for all those, all these met greats to get to be there for Old Timers Day. Absolutely, you know one of the coolest people, or like one of the coolest things the Mets have done, and he is going to be there. Is that an original Met, uh, Frank Thomas, ninety four years old, is going to be at the game uh, for Old Timers Day. Uh, you know, this is a guy who played 1962 and 63 with the Mets. 
He led the original Mets in home runs that year with 34. He's, like I said, 94 years old. Really cool that, uh, you know, Steve Cohen and Jay Horowitz and, you know, who's pretty much running this whole thing with the, uh, you know, a couple other guys, uh, you know, in the alumni crew. Um, but it, that's awesome they're bringing him in, right? Yep. I also got to bring out a little fact about the history of the old-timers' day, the Mets and old-timers' day. As we know, in the 60s and 70s, the Mets didn't have a really long history. The Mets used to have games. I think it used to be mostly involved around Hall of Famers. Old-timers' day, they're very – probably a lot of football fans are familiar. That song, Toggy Baseball, no, 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 I don't remember the, re- the words to the song. But the song references three players, Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. That song supposedly was inspired by a photo from Old Timers Day that had Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, and Duke Snyder in a photo together that was taken at old at an Old Timers Day at Chase Stadium. That so that was actually uh, the the inspiration of that song I found out. Wow, that's actually a really cool fact, and you know that's a great song. That's uh, it's also where that Simpsons song, uh, the baseball song, comes from. Uh, from oh, yeah. That famous episode. I remember he actually got the guy to redo the song. Yes. And that, that would, those episodes, specifically from the decade of the 1990s, are some of my favorite Simpsons episodes to watch in reruns. I feel today the show has still has some funny moments, but 90s Simpsons just, in the 90s, in that decade, just hit different and there was just some great episodes that I love that I still love rewatching. I mean, I'm, I'm tempted to buy that replica of the stone cutters. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nineties, like, 90s, 90s Simpsons was, uh, was ridiculous. It was awesome. And like you said too, they, they got Terry Cashman, the guy that wrote that song, uh, to to remake it for, for them for that episode, which was really, really cool. But uh, yeah, you're right. You know, Old Timers Day used to just be, you know, a tribute to Hall of Famers and New York baseball. There's a lot of Dodgers and Giants and Yankees. You know, uh, you know, you even remember, like you said, there was the picture of uh, at center field in, in Shea Stadium, Willie Mays, um, Joe DiMaggio, uh, Mickey Mantle, and, you know, it's it, it was based around mostly guys who never played for the Mets. So it is pretty cool right now that we have this game this year that's going to be all about the Mets and the history of the Mets, right? Yeah. Also, in relation to the history of the baseball in New York, because I feel Mets fans are the descendants of the, the, fan, the fans back in the day of the Dodgers and the Giants when they were in New York, I own in my collection a Brooklyn Dodgers cap and a cap of the New York Giants in my hat size, in my size. I own those in my collection. I also have a little miniature replica of Ebbets Field replica of Polo Grounds. That's awesome, man. Yeah, Ebbets Field's a classic stadium. Yeah, because I because if you look at the history, it's pretty much I feel those two fan bases were kind of the like the ancestors of Met fans. Oh yeah, and- well I mean, you, you know, my family actually is a perfect example of what you're talking about. My family uh, was a, you know, middle class family that owned a bar in Brooklyn for years and uh, then they sold the bar and moved out here to Long Island when my grandfather came back from World War II and uh, you know, out, out here to here to Levittown. And uh, they did it, you know, exactly what you said. They were Brooklyn Dodgers fans until they left for L.A. And then when the Mets came around, you know, from in in 62, they became Mets fans. And they said the only thing they had to do from 58 until 62 was uh, root against the Yankees. (laughs) As a matter of fact, someone asked me if I was around back then in that era, which of the two teams I what what team would I would have been a fan of in that era? And I said, if I was alive back then, I probably would have been a Brooklyn Dodgers fan in that era. If I was alive in that era. I agree. I, I couldn't see myself rooting for the, uh, 
the Giants in Manhattan or, or the Yankees in the Bronx. <laughs> yep, that's, that's, yeah, I agree with you on that one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, we, we obviously and rightfully so have spent a lot of time talking about the Subway Series today and everything going around it. Um, you know, one last thing I do want to close out on the uh, the future series that, that we're seeing right now. So DeGrom got bumped, obviously, from game two against the Yankees. So he he's opening the series tomorrow or today, if you're watching this, against the Colorado Rockies. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how he does now, coming off the first time the Mets pushed him last week when he threw 95 pitches uh, yeah, against I'm, the Braves. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping he's still sharp. Because I, I feel like that game, game two, the Mets should have should have let, let the Grom pitch game two because I feel it was we needed a win. It's going to be a challenge to get a win against a tough team, and we needed you had our, you had your best pitcher on full rest. Yep. They should have grabbed the ball by the forwards, and yeah, I I totally agree. Would have given the team the best chance to win that game. But and, yeah, I, and, and you know, and, and it's no offense to Taiwan because he, he ended up pitching decent and I know he's been dealing with a couple of injuries, but as soon as they said Taiwan Walker was starting that game, I knew the Mets weren't going to win. I, I, I just knew it. it. It just felt like they were just saying, you know what, we don't care if we're going to, you know, we're going to try to win this game, but our main priority is to keep the ground healthy and we're going to give him a couple of extra days no matter what. Cause you know, the fact of the matter is Taiwan Walker was would have been a much better matchup getting back into the groove and into the swing of things against a team like the Colorado Rockies than he would have been at Yankee Stadium. But all credit to Taiwan too. He he threw he gutted out five innings and only allowed two runs against a, a very good lineup. So you can't take that away from him. Yep, that 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 I do. And at the same time it would have I just I just felt that when it was important, especially I feel like it's got it Atlanta just doesn't go on long losing streaks. If they lose at all, <laughs> you're right. I mean, they, they're not even, even like, you know, like, like, like we were saying, we're hoping for a sweep, but we understand if they take three out of four, that's okay too. The Braves haven't been taking three out of four. The Braves have been sweeping everybody. Uh, you know, the only team that really has uh, given the Braves any trouble at all this year has been us and uh, you know, the, the Mets, us, <laughs> And, you know, the uh, it, it's just a, it's really concerning where this lead, obviously we're up by 10 on June 1st. That's long gone. It's a game and a half right now. If you remember, we stretched that lead back up to seven just a week or two ago. And now it's down to one and a half. And the Mets really, really have to go out and do damage against the Rockies in this series. Yeah, that's true. And also I have to say, this isn't something I normally say on Bessie in the House, but if any sponsors want to jump in and maybe maybe jump in and finance a trip to Atlanta for the end of the season, because they feel it might go to the end to that end to that series. I and if it did went to that to that weekend against Atlanta, I would want to make that trip. I'm but with you on that, man. Come on, JetBlue, hook us up. Let's go. Let's go to. Uh... Let's bring Best Seat in the House podcast to Atlanta to cover this uh, last couple of games because I agree with you. It seems like it's really going to come down to the wire. And the other, the only thing that can prevent that is if the Mets go out and do what they need to do in September. Mets have a very, very light schedule in September. Combined only 433 winning percentage. That's the easiest in baseball for September. The Braves is 477. That's a uh, 27th in the league, which means that's uh, what there's 30 teams. So that's the seventh hardest schedule in baseball for September. So, um, you know, the, the Mets have to take advantage of that. And also an, an, another big thing is that there's going to be, I believe seven, I think there's a four game series and a three game series between the Braves and the Phillies uh, in the first or second week of September. So the, the, the Mets really have to uh, win during those games too, because it, every single game from here on out is going to, uh, you know, be huge. It's going to be 
a big momentum swing. And, uh, you know, the, the Mets just have to be prepared to be in a dogfight until the end. Yep, exactly. And I, uh, and I have to say, also, we just said about Mets in a specific airline, we'll, we'll take any U.S. airline. To... <laughs> that's true. So whatever, any U.S. airline that's interested, feel free to hop on board. Even Spirit, wink. Yep. <laughs> So, all right. Uh, you know, just to close out on that, too, one last interesting thing I saw, too, on the Yankees side. So the Yankees now are moving on from this series, and they're going over to Oakland. Um, the first two pitchers that the Yankees are facing in that series, interesting, you know, it, interestingly enough, is um, so in game one, they're facing J.P. Sears, who is the left-handed 26-year-old prospect who it was having a really good, good season with the Yankees, you know, playing part-time in the majors, coming out of the pen. Now he's starting for the A's. He's 5-0 and with an ERA under 2, 1.93. So that's one of the main guys the Yankees gave up for Frankie Montas, who had a really good game against the Mets the other day, unfortunately. But, um, you know, J.P. Sears is going to be the first guy they're going up against. And then, funny enough, Another left-handed prospect who got dealt for an Oakland starter. This time it would be Chris Bassett. Uh, the left-handed prospect I'm talking about is Adam Aller. So they're facing a former top Met prospect and a former top of their own Yankee prospect. Back-to-back days, a funny coincidence, right? Yeah, what a coincidence. But but that game against Pittsburgh, I was watching that game give – that that game between the Braves and Pittsburgh today, I was like, it was like scoreboard watching cranked up to eleven thanks to the MLB.tv app. Yes, <laughs> free subscription. Yeah. Thank you, T-Mobile. Wink, wink. <laughs> All right. All right. There we go. There we go. And um, yeah, you know, so there's the. There's just a uh, very, you know, one other thing, actually, before we move on from Mets and the Yankees, what did you think of Aaron Boone's decision to just completely stay away from Araldis Chapman for both games? Uh, very weird. I mean, they had Wandy Peralta come in and get the last out, which I thought it was going to be Chapman, to be honest. I thought they were going to bring in Chapman and get that last out last night when Clark Schmidt couldn't figure it out or, uh, and, you know, and finish it off. But then even the night before, they used Loisica to close it out. What do you think about no Chapman? I think Chapman really doesn't – I feel like the reason he was successful in Cincinnati because he didn't have that high expectations. And I've seen it in those high-leverage situations. Mm. Kind of seemed like he was – he's able to handle New York well. And it's a miracle somehow he didn't even he didn't blow a, a game in a high with another high expectation. Well, I think a team that used to be high expectations, but I don't think it's not really high expectations anymore with the Cubs because they did win that World Series in 2016. But back then, before the Cubs won the World Series, I felt that was a high pressure cooker team to play for because fans are just eager for the. They were eager for a team to finally win a World Series. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it, man. And you know what? The uh, uh, the thing is, yeah, you're right. Every single game was was uh, completely ridiculous. People were expecting the Cubs to blow it, and uh, he ended up not being the guy to get the last out. So I guess that kind of says everything you need to know about Araldis Chapman, uh, even though he was considered one of the top closers before and after that. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if he straightens himself out the rest of this year. I just thought that it was curious that Aaron Boone didn't even give him an opportunity against the Mets, especially with the fact the Mets have some, you know, left-handed pop that he could have used them against, like uh, Vogelback and you know uh, Jeff McNeil and Brandon Nimmo. So he had the opportunity and never took it. So very interesting. Um, Pretty interesting, but. Yeah, unfortunately that happened and I got I might have gotten a bunch of Yankee fans laughed at me on uh on, on social media because of that scene. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, I totally get you on that, man. And it was, it was a shame that uh, the games had to play out the way they did. But, you know, uh, let's not go crazy. The Yankees are a good team. The Mets won the two home games they needed to, and the Yankees just returned the favor. So uh, the only thing we can do is uh, take it as it is and move on. The Mets are still on a serious pace here to win 100 games. I mean, at this point, I think they have to go 21-17. and 17 which is only four games over 500, which if you're looking at the Mets schedule, like I mentioned earlier, the Mets should breeze past that. So it's going to be real fun to see uh, if they actually uh, do eclipse that 100 win mark for the first time since 1988. And does that even mean anything to you, Dan? Do you want to see them win 100 or, or are you just let's make the playoffs? Well, I, I would love to see them win, win, make playoffs and hopefully win the division, not not do that first round shit because I feel that's like hit or miss. But also I have also I might know somebody who might be able to hook me up with tickets if the Mets cross paths in the division series or the championship series. If they're if they're if they cross paths with San Diego, I might know somebody who might be able to hook me up and uh maybe I might have to see my Ticket to plane ticket to San Diego or something for that. Absolutely, that'd be uh, that'd be awesome. I mean, going to San Diego anytime is awesome, but seeing a playoff game like that, playoff series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll I will go out there full Mets gear, <laughs> and probably I think I'd probably be more enthusiastic than the Padres fans. Let's put it this way. No doubt about it. That's yeah, a, yeah, it's a laid back bunch over there. <laughs> I'll pack. I'll, I would. I, I would pack my Mets flag, and but I, I don't. I don't. I don't want. To say, I don't want to mention any names. But I know someone who, who I think might be able to pull that off. No guarantees, but <laughs> if that's with San Diego in the playoffs, I might have to call contact him. See, see what he see what he can do, and it might be, it might be a crazy time to have finally visited. To, to have even visited this because he's been asking me for a long time when am I going to come to visit him in California like he's saying oh you got to come out nice here to reach out here and everything so but it might be a crazy time for me to to finally he finally doesn't have to ask me when am I coming out to to, to see him <laughs> well that would be very cool if that worked out that way and uh, you know what, actually, we're, uh, we're running low on time here. And I was going to say, uh, let's try to fit in, you know, some Knicks, you know, Knicks talk right now where, you know, they're, they're still in deep talks with Phoenix about Donovan Mitchell. And um, got to say this, bring Donovan home to New York. I totally agree with you on that. I love that. You know, they, they got to get that done. And also, you know, the, the Nets uh, with, uh, with Kevin Durant saying that he wants to come back. So there's a lot of back and forth there. Uh, you, know, you know, we got preseason football with the, the Jets and the Giants. But to be honest, there's not – and, and actually a big uh, – well, it's not really big. But it's like a dress rehearsal, Jets and Giants game for next week. So uh, you know what, though? We'll be recapping the game next week. We'll be doing all that stuff next week. Uh, we're really low on time right now. But, uh, Dan, before we get out of here, do you want to give yourself a, a, a plug? So my, so my plugs I got, uh, you can follow me on social media, Twitter, Bobo103NYC, Instagram, Bobo718DK, and YouTube, Daniel Curlin. Also, I'll be performing at a comedy club in Scarsdale, New York, opening for Mark Norman. I'm sure you saw my wonderful uh, – Maybe I was giving a little taste of some of the material on uh, on the Kumia show the other day. Yeah, that was a great appearance on Anthony's show, by the way. I'm still working on the material. I'm still working on the material. Like, um, I'll have it ready by the time I perform. But I'm working up until all the way to the day before to really piece together the set that I feel will work best for this show. For this whole thing i think and, you're gonna do a great job man because you, you you're gonna uh put in a lot of work and it's gonna come out great 
Yep, I, I wish they had molecular transporter technology so you could be in the audience as well. <laughs> I'm going to say, if, depending if I can get that day off, because it's a Monday. If it was on a Sunday or, or the weekend, I'd, I'd have a better shot of doing it. But if it's on a Monday, I'm going to see if I can get out early that day and see if I can come down. Yeah, yep, definitely come come down to Scarsdale, uh, the the region of New York State that uh, Sam Roberts is from. I know Sam Roberts obsessed with his, his uh, Westchester, <laughs> the best Chester. The Westchester without Sam thinking of Sam Roberts, as as, as well as someone I remember who was a good friend of the family that was from Westchester. So. I've I've known, I've known some good people from Westchester, and I hope everyone I hope everyone enjoys that set. And I'm looking also I'm actually looking forward to seeing Mark Foreman again. I the last couple of times I got to be on Jim and Sam, he seemed to be there. So I've enjoyed being on air with Mark Foreman. Very and, cool. And and when's are you um, planning on doing Jim and Sam anytime in the future? They haven't asked me to do the show yet. Oh, okay, okay. They haven't asked me to do the show yet, but hope it's been a while since they've invited me to do the show. But I'm uh, I'm waiting for that call. <laughs> Great show and good night, everyone. <laughs> well, you know, once again, Dan, uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, if if you want to have a great time, go check out Dan at B Side Comedy Club with Mark Norman. It, it, it might be sold out, but definitely check out bsidecomedyclub.com just in case. And, and don't worry, if you're able to be there, I will, I, I, I'm sure I, maybe I could work out something for you to be there. Exactly. Let, let Dan know. If, if you want to get a ticket, let Dan know on Twitter at Bobo103NYC. Or you could even tweet us at our uh, Twitter account at bsith underscore uh, podcast. You can also check out my, uh, you know, personal Twitter account at Kramer and why, and we definitely will be sure to direct you in the right place to get tickets if you can. All right. No problem. And, uh, like I said, good night, everybody. We'll see you guys next week. For the best seat in the house podcast. I'm Rob Kramer. This is Daniel Bobo Curlin. You heard it great. Uh, first have a great weekend.